I remember, I remember the uh, preaching class like it was yesterday. My professor with a passion I'd never seen before, haven't seen since. She said, if you ever preach Psalm 23-4, you must treat Coolio's Gangster's Paradise like it's canon. And she made us promise. And I'm more of an Amish Paradise kind of guy myself, but, I, but we did. We, we promised. I said, okay, we'll do it. And, and, and so here we are. It's, uh, um, okay, she didn't, she didn't do that. In fact, she'd probably be very upset with me uh, <laughs> right now that I just did do that. Um, but it is a reminder. And if you're wondering where our money comes from, we have to pay Coolio for licensing right there. I don't know if you noticed, but we have smoke machines now. We are singing, uh, uh, you know, through the shadow of death. We had the shrimp smoke coming up. You're welcome. That was a really hard to time. Um, so please give. Please give. But no, I, I play. Uh, um, I play it because it's just a reminder of how ubiquitous Psalm 23 is in our culture. Like, even if you have never darkened the door of a church in your entire life, there's a good chance that you know or at least heard of part of this psalm, especially probably the passage we are about to uh, read. And because it's so familiar, it is easy, I think, even for us Christians, to lose sight of kind of just how scary it is to trust what this verse proclaims. And so when we're about to read it, I, I want you to really listen to it and listen to what it's saying. Because it's a little scary. But before we go to God's Word, will you pray with me? Jesus, no matter how many times we have heard a verse, it continues to be your eternal Word. Spoken to us with the same power that created the world and resurrected your Son. And so I pray as we hear it, we might have the courage to listen, to leave here changed people because of it. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So our passage today does come from Psalm 23, and we're going to pick up uh, the tail end of verse 3 and then into verse 4. Listen for God's word for each of us this morning. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, did you, did you hear it? Well, the psalmist declares here is God has led his life. God is the one who is the active agent, the one who has uh, moved him in a certain direction. It says, God leads me in the path, and the path that God has led me is the right one. It's the one that makes this, this uh, uh, psalmist feel whole. He says, God has led me, and it's the right way, it's the right path, and it has led me where? Into the valley of the shadow of death. We read it fast and we would think like, oh, we did something wrong and we're in the valley of the shadow of death and God's with me. But no, it says, 
I have been led by God and led rightly, and it is in to the valley of the shadow of death. The elevator speech for our faith is, in essence, faithful living leads to death. Think that, that's the elevator speech. That's it. You in or you out. I mean, for a word of comfort, that's pretty dang scary. And I think there's two ways that we typically try to deal with it, maybe even soften a verse like this, just so we can, like, manage it a little better. And the, and the first one is what I'd call, like, the footprints in the sand theology. You know, if you're a child of the 80s or 90s, you might know what I'm talking about. There, there used to be on posters everywhere, but it would be the story of, like, uh, two sets of footprints, and then there's, like, little writing there, and it's like, a man at the end of his life looks back at his life and in the good times, in the times where there was great joy, there was two sets of footprints, one of his and, and one of God's. But then in the hard times, the difficult times, there's just one set of footprints. And, and the guy says, God, where were you? Why weren't you with me in the, in the hard times? And, the, and as the story goes, God says, I was with you. I was just carrying you in the hard times. That's why there's one set. It's my set. And sometimes we look at a psalm like this, a verse like this, and we, that's, that's the mentality we take. We say, yes, life is hard, and, and life is dangerous, but God is with me. God's going to protect me. God's going to carry me. We take the, the Lord as our shepherd with his rod and his staff, and I like to think we like turn him into some supernatural version of uh, like a dad reflexes montage. Have you seen these sorts of things? It's like with these montages, you should look them up. Montages on YouTube where like extremely unathletic fathers, very out of shape, do these incredibly athletic things to like save a child from like near death. Like, it's like, you know, like the swing set thing. All of a sudden, they like grab a kid and pull him. My favorite is there's a guy, he's taking a nap on the couch, and a baby starts to fall off the couch, and he goes like, like that, and he catches him. Like, that's sort of the, the footprints in the sand thing. It's like, we don't even know when it's dangerous. We don't even know when it's bad, but we just think God's going to be there to grab us, to protect us, to keep us from, from real harm. And I think that's like a, a really enticing view because that can be true, right? God sometimes does act like this. Sometimes God does protect us and carry us. I have seen that to be true. But if we've lived long enough, we know it isn't always true. It's not always true for sheep. It's not always true for us. Sometimes the shadow of death is long, and people don't escape it. That happens, and that is real. And then the second way, and I think it sort of leads into, out of, or at least out of that first way, the second way I think we sometimes deal with a passage like this is that we doubt. We succumb to, like, real sense of doubt. I'm not someone who, uh, and I'm really grateful for this, has like struggled and gone through like crisis of faith to crisis of faith, but I am human, and so I have real doubts. And one of 
my most reoccurring ones, one of the ones I find hardest to shake, it comes in the form of a question. And it's, does following Jesus, is it making my life harder? Have you ever had a question like that? Where it's sort of like, I know it's right, I know it's true, but it seems like because of it, I have to care about more things. I got less money. I got to always be mindful of what I'm doing and how I'm acting. Sometimes I feel like I would, I would maybe be living the wrong way, but I'd be a little freer and a little more joyful if I didn't have to worry about all these things. I don't necessarily think that's true, but these are the doubts that come into my mind. And eventually, if we succumb to them for long enough, we become avoiders of any kind of difficulty. We think that this can't possibly be the way of life, and so if anything gets hard or challenging, we simply run away. And so in the end, the first way, I think, that we try to deal with this, it doesn't take the shadow of death seriously enough. And the second way takes it so seriously, our whole life becomes defined by it. But that's not the psalmist. Now this man is a truth teller. Our translation, it begins with, even though. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But that's often translated as just, yeah. Yeah, which I, like, I actually like to translate it like in the New Jersey uh, living translation, which is like, yeah, so what? Yeah, so what? I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And even if I'm righteous, no, 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 especially if I am living rightly, I will live in ways that reveals needs shadows, dark sides that I cannot fill, that I cannot make right. That's true. Yes, I live with death, but I won't be enslaved by it. I won't fear it. With God as my shepherd, the shadow of death is real, but it doesn't define me. I live with eyes wide open, but those eyes are focused on the Lord. In the end, we are invited to be defined not by avoidance or denial or obsession over the dark shadows of life, but by the way of Jesus. That's what the psalmist believes. In fact, when the psalmist says that God will comfort us, what's really interesting is the word he uses for comfort. The word he uses, it comes from the same word as repent. In essence, God's comfort is embraced when we are changed, when we start to live a new way. Put simply, we are comforted by God when we listen to Him. I like to think that the psalmist says something like this, if I was to put it into my own words. It's that, it's that God has righted me, not because of anything I do, but because God is my shepherd. He has put me on the right path, the way I was created to live. And in doing so, I see the world for what it is. I don't deny pain or pretend it doesn't exist or even uh, pretend like it's not in my own life. I see it for what it is, but I do not fear it because I'm not defined by the world, but by the gracious word of Jesus that I've chosen to heed. 
In the end, friends, if we desire to be comforted by God, then, in the difficult areas of life, we must learn to see obedience as a gift, as an actual opportunity. I want you to imagine this in the places where we might feel insecure or lonely or or unsure of the direction we should go or even facing disease and death. The gift of faith is to believe that even in the face of that, God has freed us to choose the way of life, to be obedient. And that's a gift. Most people do not feel they have any choice but to avoid it or to deny it or to try to conquer it. But we have a different way. We've been given a different way. Recently, I I saw a great example of this that I just think brings it to life in like a real-world way, and it's how we'll close. It was an interview in the New York Times that was happened recently with Tim Keller, pastor, he retired pastor in New York, uh, um, big time uh, writer, wrote a lot of books, I'm sure you've read some of them, all that kind of thing. Well, about two years ago, he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And this whole interview was about how he has dealt with that and how that has changed his approach to faith. And to that question, uh, how has your faith changed? How has your approach changed? He had two, like, immediately, he had two concrete ways that was true. And the first one is this. And I think this is very related to what we've been talking about. He realized he had been focused on unimportant things. And the diagnosis made him want to focus on important things, things he actually valued. And we might assume a terminal diagnosis means that he wanted to, like, make sure he got his bucket list items done. Like, he wanted to preach one more sermon where he could walk up to Coolio's uh, Gangster's Paradise, something like that. Uh, But no, Keller said... I want to focus on things that matter, things that are important, like improving my marriage. Tim Keller has written, like, one of the books on marriage. He's been married for over 50 years. But as the shadow of death came, he didn't avoid it. He didn't deny it. He didn't try to overcome it. He let it reveal where he was free to change and act in a new way. And it wasn't some, like, humble brag to try to get us on our marriage, because what he said was this, which I thought was rather uh, vulnerable. He said that, and I'm quoting here, there were some things that my wife felt she could not talk to me about because I didn't respond well, and she had given up trying to do it. And she said, I value our marriage too much to leave it like that. I want to spend my dying days being right with God and my wife. What does it look like to not fear the shadow of death? It looks like something like that. Second thing he said that has made him realize and want to do differently with his faith is that he realized his belief had mostly been in his head and not his heart. And I say that would probably be the one critique I have of the footsteps in the sand theology. 
That's a head belief, but you don't actually even feel it at all. You don't even know God is carrying you in that story. And he says, it's good to have that head faith and to know what you believe, but when you're facing the shadow of death, you need to encounter the Lord. And so the, the interviewee asked, well, how are you doing that? And he said, well, it's one thing to believe God loves you. It's just another thing to actually feel his love, to believe God is present. But it's another thing to actually experience God's presence. And so he said, the way that I'm trying to do this, and I love this, he said, I'm simply trying to do what every follower of Jesus already knows to do. Not some special thing. But he said, I'm, I'm simply trying to actually listen to God in the ways that he's invited me to listen to him. And he offered four ways he's doing that. I'm trying to read scripture, pray, meditate on God's word, and participate in corporate worship. Not because I have to, not so that I can, you know, gear up for death, but because that's where God has said he will be. And I want to listen to God. I want to be shepherded by God. Because I know that if I am going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I need to be open to my shepherd guiding me. Friends, I don't know where the shadow is long for you. But I believe we have been freed to respond with faith. I don't know where your faith is simply in your head, but in the difficult areas of your life, I do believe God is with you. And I think he's inviting us to open our hearts to not just know about him, but to experience him. And he showed us how. And so this week, I pray we might be honest and open and obedient for it's what we've been freed to do. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Jesus, it is true that the faithful we are, the closer we move to death, but the bad news is, is the more unfaithful we are, the closer we are to death too. This is just the direction of our story, and yet you have offered us another way, a way that tells the truth and that's honest, but a way that is free. A way that lives into who we were created to be. And so God, I pray that we might be a people of repentance. A people who aren't afraid to admit where the shadow is long because we believe you have invited us to a fuller life. And a people who act and live into with discipline. A life that believes you are not only with us, but desires to experience that. God, may we not know your love this week, but may we experience it. Be our shepherd and make us people of thanksgiving and joy. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.